Hey everyone, welcome to this week's conversation with Dr. Stephen Ned about the body and how to fix, protect, or maintain it using outside-the-box alternative solutions. If you're a big fan of the pharmaceutical or surgical approach, you are so in the wrong place because on this podcast, we're not going to be pushing the conventional medicine methods or way of thinking about health. If you're looking for another way to live longer and healthier, join me, Ron Ned, and my brother, Dr. Stephen Ned, for this week's body chat about fatigue. Me? I'm a retired Twin Cities chiropractor currently helping people buy and sell homes in the Tampa Bay and Los Angeles areas. My brother has a thriving chiropractic practice in the Clearwater area of Tampa Bay, Florida. In this podcast, we're going to chat about all sorts of topics related to health, nutrition, exercise, just about everything having to do with the body. You're invited to listen in to our body chat, but don't forget that neither of us is giving you health advice, so don't rush off to do something without either checking with your doctor first or seeing Dr. Steven Nett as a patient at his office. Good evening, Steve. Good evening, Ron. Lamb chops, huh? Mm-hmm. So is this a, one of your recipes, or is this something you just kind of created out of whole cloth? Or No, this is a... Uh... Australian organic lamb chops with chopped up garlic and olive oil and um, lemon zest and fresh rosemary and salt. Oh, great. Broil each side for five minutes and it comes out just perfect. Excellent. All right. Mm -hmm. So now you're going to probably have a bunch of people showing up at your house for dinner. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this will be something that I can make for you when you come next time. Sounds good. So now we're talking about fatigue this week, and all of us seem to have had it at one time or another, one form or another. Most people just think of it as, you know, I'm kind of tired, but that isn't really an accurate description of it. So what would be an accurate description or medical definition that really gives a better idea of what fatigue is? Well, you know, there's actually a difference between fatigue and tiredness. So tiredness is, you know, something that everyone goes through. It's actually expected to happen after certain activities like rigorous exercise or, you know, at the end of a long day. And it's relieved by a good night's sleep. Okay. But fatigue is more long lasting where you have a daily lack of energy. And this includes unusual or excessive whole body tiredness that is not relieved by sleep. Okay. And it can be acute, which, you know, means it it lasts for a month or less. Or it can be chronic, which means that it can last from one to six months or even longer. Fatigue can basically prevent a person from functioning normally, and it can significantly affect a person's quality of life. The main symptom of fatigue is exhaustion with physical or mental activity. And specifically, you know, someone that goes through this feels weak, is constantly tired, and lacks energy. And one very important point about it is that fatigue is actually a symptom of another disease or condition. Oh, okay. Good. So that doesn't just show up on its own. That would be tiredness probably that shows up on its own Mm -hmm. as opposed to fatigue. Well, I, you know, a normal cause of tiredness, like you said, would be lack of sleep. Eating certain foods, I don't know, sometimes when you eat certain foods, you your energy drops. I don't know, would that be fatigue or would that be tiredness? It just depends on what's happening with your blood sugar. We'll talk about that in a little bit because that's usually why you have that symptom. 
All right. Well, what else can cause fatigue that isn't something serious? Oh, there's a whole list of things. Let's start with nutrient deficiencies. If you're lacking vitamin B12, vitamin D, folic acid, or iron, any of those can cause fatigue when they're low. There's also metabolic or endocrine or hormonal disorders, and that includes anemia, hypothyroidism. That's a big one there. It's very common. Underactive or exhausted adrenal glands, diabetes, and electrolyte abnormalities. If your electrolytes are low, that can make you tired too or create fatigue. Uh, There's also mental health issues such as depression, anxiety, uh, grief due to the loss of a loved one, as well as eating disorders like anorexia and bulimia. Of course, infections can cause fatigue, including mono, which is also known as infectious mononucleosis, uh, cytomegalovirus, the flu, malaria, and many other infectious diseases. Uh, Here's a big one, medication side effects. So that includes a long list, including antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications, sedative medications, antihistamines, steroids, some blood pressure medications, medication and drug withdrawal, and also it's a side effect of chemotherapy and radiation therapy. Mm. And of course, there's other conditions like rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, multiple sclerosis, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, which we're going to talk about in depth in a little bit, Lyme disease, and obesity. Okay, so quite a few things then. All right, so those would be the the less serious things that could cause fatigue. What are some of the more serious conditions that can bring about fatigue? Well, I mean, some of the ones I just went over can be pretty serious, but I've classified the serious ones as those that could be deadly. Okay. So that's how I separated the two. So, of course, you know, somebody with kidney disease and liver disease, you know, oftentimes has uh, fatigue and that could be fatal. You know, when your kidneys fail or your liver, your liver fails. There's also various heart and lung conditions that can cause fatigue, including congestive heart failure, coronary artery disease, valvular heart disease, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, asthma, arrhythmias, and pneumonia. Okay. Uh, fatigue can also be a symptom of cancer. And it's pretty, you know, it's pretty common with most types of cancer. And also more serious infections like HIV and other retroviruses, such as the XMRV virus, which has been found in numerous medical studies to be linked not only to chronic fatigue syndrome, but also to other serious conditions like autism, leukemia, prostate cancer, autoimmune disease, and the explosion of Alzheimer's disease. So I'm currently reading the best-selling book called Plague of Corruption, co-authored by Dr. Judy Mikovits. And its foreword is by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Mm -hmm. So she, along with another researcher, did a great deal of the early research on the XMRV virus. And she was treated rather harshly for this discovery, which looked bad for the medical establishment, especially the pharmaceutical companies, because she found that it originated in mouse tissue, which was used in vaccine production. And this was the likely vector for contamination. So, for example, her research showed that many of the women who were afflicted with the XMRV virus had children with autism. She suspected that the virus could be passed from the mother to the child, just like it could be with the retrovirus HIV. 
So she tested 17 of the children and 14 of them showed evidence of the virus. And these findings correlated with the parents reporting autistic onset after vaccination. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Research also found widespread XMRV contamination in the blood supply and blood products. And based on her research and others, approximately 3 to 8% of the population now carry this virus, which equates to more than 10 million Americans being carriers. So the bottom line is that her discoveries threatened the financial interest of powerful pharmaceutical companies because of their negligent use of contaminated animal cell cultures to produce vaccines and other pharmaceutical products. So obviously this put them at risk for billions of dollars in revenue. And as a result, she was first asked to retract an article that she wrote about her findings in Science Magazine in 2009. And then two years later, she was fired from a faculty job that she had. And two months after that, she was followed and surveilled and then finally arrested without a warrant and jailed for five days without bail. And while she was in jail, her former boss told her husband that if she would have just signed an apology, admitting that her paper was wrong, the police would release her and she could salvage her career. Mm. So the books, you know, this book goes on into the details of how her career was ultimately destroyed and that she went bankrupt because she kept her integrity and by not giving into the medical community, which tried to force her to lie about her very important research. So we can leave a link to this book, which again is called Plague of Corruption, and you can purchase it on Amazon or from other bookstores. Very good. Yes, I know somebody else who read that that thought it was very interesting as far as the entire story plus the facts that she presents. Now, when is it that somebody should first start to get concerned about having fatigue? You know, when they start to notice a definite change in their energy level that doesn't improve with sleep or rest. And also, you know, if they try to alleviate it with remedies which don't work or, you know, they find themselves using lots of stimulants including coffee just to get going or to get through the day, then that's definitely you know, red flags that they need to look into this. Okay. Now, if somebody came in complaining of symptoms that sound like fatigue to you, what would you do to be able to find out what's causing that? Well, I mean, you know, just like other health conditions, um, you start out with a good health history and find clues to the origin causative factors to it. So I found a really good list of questions that can be asked that are unique to fatigue. Okay. So let's go through these. Number one is, does the patient feel well in the morning when they wake? Two is, does the patient or does the fatigue progress through the day? Next one is, does the person nap unexpectedly or take excessive amounts of stimulants such as caffeine to complete daily activities? Then there's, uh, does the fatigue come on gradually or abruptly? Is it a daily occurrence or intermittent and periodic? What makes it better and what makes it worse? Uh, how has the patient's life changed because of the fatigue? And is the fatigue more mental than physical? Now, you know, I would also have them fill out a health questionnaire that includes other symptoms that are associated with fatigue and linked with specific health conditions and diseases. So these include weight loss, which could be from eating disorders, acute infections, hard recreational drug use, and cancer. If they have fever and chills, that could also be caused by an acute infection. 
If they have chest pain and shortness of breath, that could result from heart disease and lung disease. Notice these are things that I mentioned earlier that are you know, either serious or less serious conditions associated with fatigue. So this kind of helps with the differential diagnosis and trying to solve the mystery of what's underlying this. Because again, fatigue is a symptom. So we need to find out what is the underlying cause. Exactly. Or causes. Sometimes it's many things. Now, if they have uh, excessive urination, excessive thirst, or change in vision, that could be from diabetes. Mm -hmm. Muscle weakness or pain, which could you know, be due to fibromyalgia, multiple sclerosis, or even inflammation. And then you know, they might have symptoms of feeling cold, having dry skin, and brittle hair, and that's common with hypothyroidism. Right. You mentioned that earlier. Right. So in addition to a physical exam, blood tests can be ordered to detect obvious deficiencies or imbalances to many things associated with fatigue, and they could include a CBC, also known as a complete blood count, and that checks red blood cells and white blood cells, which can det you know, detect an infection or anemia, mm -hmm. electrolytes to check for imbalances with those, fasting blood sugar to check for diabetes or hypoglycemia, which is low blood sugar, and that's also associated with fatigue. I didn't mention that earlier, but that's also associated with fatigue. Mm -hmm. uh, bun and creatinine levels, which measure kidney function. Uh, a thyroid panel to check for hypothyroidism. Iron and ferritin levels to check for iron deficiency anemia. Of course, vitamins B12, D, and folic acid to check for deficiencies of these. Uh, ESR, also known as erythrocyte sedimentation rate, and C-reactive protein, which are excellent tests to check for inflammation. And the monospot test, which checks for antibodies to Epstein-Barr virus, which can cause mononucleosis and possibly chronic fatigue syndrome. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, those are some of the different things as far as how you could determine what's causing it. Is age a factor that has to be considered? Well, you know, fatigue can happen at any age, and it's a lot less common in children unless they have an acute infection or an underlying health condition like juvenile diabetes or anemia. Uh, teenagers may also experience fatigue due to erratic or changing sleep patterns. You know, during the week, they go to bed at a certain time, or they might stay up late and cram for a test. And then on weekends, a lot of times they tend to stay up very late and sleep in later, so their, their sleep patterns can change, and that can cause issues. Or that, you know, they just might be stressed or depressed. Mm -hmm. Now, a 2010 study published in the Journal of the American Geriatric Society found that almost a third of people aged 51 and older experience fatigue. There are a number of factors that can be associated with fatigue in people as they age. So these include sleep challenges. You know, that's definitely one of them. I never had any sleep issues until I got into my 40s and I had to take supplements to help me fall asleep and stay asleep. Mine have been primarily hormonal, such as a melatonin deficiency and raised cortisol levels at bedtime. Mm -hmm. Other sleep-related issues that occur with aging include sleep apnea and overactive bladders and enlarged prostates, which can cause people to get up multiple times at night to disrupt their sleep patterns. Mm -hmm. And of course, there's lifestyle changes, and these are factors when looking at fatigue and aging and activity level in particular. Exercise is right up there as a major one. And studies have shown that people who are more sedentary and exercise less when they age experience significantly more fatigue than those who are more active. Mm. 
And of course, there are the diseases with aging associated with fatigue, many of which we've, you know, we've already gone over, including the flu, rheumatoid arthritis, heart and lung disease, kidney disease, and cancer. Right. And let's not forget something we covered in detail in our recent podcast, uh, episode number 147, uh, covering elderly prescriptions. And that is the fact that older people take more medications, which can also be a source of fatigue. Right. Okay. Now, we mentioned this earlier, and you had brought it up too, as far as chronic fatigue syndrome, you need to go into in more depth. So why don't we do that now? What is chronic fatigue syndrome? All right. Well, you know, according to medical authorities, chronic fatigue syndrome is a serious long-term illness that affects many body systems and is characterized by extreme fatigue or tiredness that lasts for at least six months and doesn't go away with rest. And it can't be explained by an underlying medical condition. So it's a very common condition affecting more than 200,000 Americans per year. And it's more commonly seen in women and in young to middle-aged adults, and that's why it used to be nicknamed the yuppie disease. It's also known as myalgic encephalomyelitis, or ME, as well as systemic exertion intolerance disease, SEID. So in addition to fatigue, it also includes sleep abnormalities, unexplained muscle or joint pain, difficulties with memory, focus, and concentration, Dizziness that worsens when moving from lying down or sitting to standing, and other symptoms that are made worse by exertion. So as far as what causes chronic fatigue syndrome, again, there are no conclusive answers, but it's thought that some people are born with a predisposition for it, and there are certain environmental triggers that can bring it on, including viral infections. So, you know, the big one is Epstein-Barr virus, which again also causes mono, as well as the retrovirus that I mentioned earlier that very few people as well as doctors know about, and that's the one that's been kept quiet and suppressed, and that's the XMRV virus. Hmm. Uh, Immune system impairment is also associated with chronic fatigue syndrome, but it's a chicken and egg scenario sometimes because it's hard to say if the chronic fatigue syndrome came from someone with an impaired immune system or the immune system is impaired as a result of having chronic fatigue syndrome. So right. It's hard to see. It's hard to tell which is which. Yeah. Of course, hormonal imbalances are also linked to chronic fatigue syndrome since people with this disorder, you know, sometimes have abnormal blood levels of hypothalamus, pituitary, and adrenal hormones. And some people have reported their chronic fatigue syndrome symptoms starting after physical or emotional traumas, such as injuries, surgeries, or significant emotional stress. So in order to officially diagnose someone with chronic fatigue syndrome, an individual would have to meet the definition of fatigue associated with chronic fatigue syndrome, plus additional criteria that was put forth by the United States Institute of Medicine. So their definition of fatigue is that it's so severe that it interferes with the ability to engage in pre-illness activities. Uh, It's of new or definite onset, so it's not something they've had all their life. It's not substantially alleviated by rest, and it's worsened by physical, mental, or emotional exertion. The additional criteria is that a person would also need to experience at least one of these two symptoms, which are Difficulties with memory, focus, and concentration, 
And the other is dizziness that worsens with moving from lying down or sitting to standing. Hmm. And on top of that, these would have to last for at least six months and occur at least half the time at moderate, substantial, or severe intensity. Wow. Okay. So that's, so, I mean, you know, again, if somebody's just tired, you can't just say, oh yeah, you have chronic fatigue syndrome. There's a lot to it. Right. It's a very specific condition with very specific parameters. Right. So are there any treatments for chronic fatigue syndrome? Well, you know, if you go online and you look at all the medical sources, they say there is no cure or approved treatment for this condition. However, some symptoms can be treated or managed to provide relief. Wow. So to me, that's not good enough. No, it isn't. I've treated many patients with chronic fatigue syndrome and have helped quite a few of them bounce back. Now, I've learned that no two are alike since this is a very complex and challenging disorder. So it's really crucial to do a complete systems check to see what could be underlying it. One thing I've found in almost every case is exhausted adrenal glands. And the supplement Core Level Adrenal by NutraWest has been incredibly successful in rebuilding blown out adrenals. By the way, the symptom that I mentioned earlier, which is part of the diagnostic criteria from the Institute of Medicine, dizziness that worsens when moving from lying down to standing. All right. Yeah. That's also called orthostatic hypotension. And the most common cause of that, which I found in my private practice is underactive or exhausted adrenals. And the reason for that is because your adrenals make a hormone that allows your blood pressure to go up when you stand up. So if you stand up and your blood pressure drops instead of going up, you'll experience dizziness because you won't get enough blood and oxygen to your brain in time while you're getting up opposing the force of gravity. So I actually had chronic fatigue, I actually had chronic fatigue syndrome in my senior year in college, which lingered for over eight months and was mostly helped by taking core level adrenal, mm. which I began taking shortly after I graduated and you know, when I started working with one of my mentors, Dr. Charlie Dugan in Fort Myers. And he discovered that my adrenals were completely shot and he put me on this supplement, which worked you know, rather quickly in about two weeks. And I was able to get my energy and mojo back during that time. That's great. I was just, I was just like totally out of it. I had to sleep in and hit the snooze button 50 times and take naps. It was just awful. Wow. And what had happened was I had gotten mono from Epstein-Barr virus right before the fatigue began. And it just lingered after that. And it was likely due to the fact that I wore out my adrenals from, you know, poor college diet, poor sleeping habits, the stress from taking exams, and not knowing who I was going to work with after graduating since my field doctor decided to move away during my senior year. So mm -hmm. I had that uncertainty looming. Right. So, you know, since that time, I've had some flare-ups. And one of the things that's also been very helpful is the amino acid L-lysine. Mm. L-lysine is like kryptonite for the viruses in the herpes family. And Epstein-Barr virus is also known as human herpes virus number six. Mm. So, yeah, so for acute flare-ups, the recommended dose is 1,000 milligrams five times a day. And for maintenance, it's 1,000 milligrams once daily. And this is actually the same protocol for all herpes viruses, including simplex one, simplex two, chicken pox, and shingles. So, you know, there are many potential remedies for chronic fatigue syndrome, but it all depends on what systems, organs, or underlying conditions are involved. So it's very wise to work with a holistic thinking practitioner such as myself so that you can get it properly troubleshooted. 
Excellent. All right. So we've talked about general fatigue. We've talked about tiredness. We've talked about chronic fatigue syndrome. Is there anything else you'd like to say regarding this topic before we end? No, I think we covered this topic quite extensively. Good. All right. Well, this is probably going to be helpful to people who've been experiencing this and didn't know what it was, and they can probably find out what is going on now if they get a correct diagnosis and it's found out what is actually causing it for them. Now, next week, we're going to go back into the therapy aspect of things. We're going to be talking about musculotherapies, things like manual musculotherapy, electrical, infrared, heat, and others that have to do with musculoskeletal system, uh, specifically the muscles that move the joints and stabilize things. So that's going to be next week's topic is we're going to get back into what can be done to help people out with the type of conditions that most often come in to see a chiropractor. So that's going to be next week. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for joining us this week on the Body Chat Podcast. We both really appreciate your time and your attention. We want to provide you with interesting and informative episodes each week. And if you have a topic you'd like us to cover or any questions you'd like us to answer, send an email to us at info at bodychatpodcast.com. That's info at bodychatpodcast.com. To make sure you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, subscribe to the Body Chat Podcast now on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. See you next week.